The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says, For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. It tells us that Jesus had to be made like you and I, had to be human, so, so that he might be the merciful and faithful high priest, the one who could go on our behalf before God. But this high priest would be like no other high priest. He would make atonement for the sins of all people for all time. One sacrifice that could not be undone. Paul reiterates this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You and I have no righteousness in and of ourselves, But our right standing, our good standing with God... Paul tells us is because God made Jesus who had no sin. He made him sin for us. If you could open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 23. I want to spend some time in reading verses 44 to 49 today. If you're using the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1,641. See, today we continue with, with, with a week that is more important than any other week in the life of the church. A week where we remember the depth of sin and the, and the magnitude of God's love for us. A week that begins with the arrival of Jesus as an unexpected king and he shows up flipping over tables in the temple. But then we come to Thursday where Jesus is, comes as a servant. And he is down at his knees washing the feet of his disciples and he gives, he gives bread and wine saying, this is my body and this is my blood offered for you. And then today we continue reminded of the sacrifice on Friday. And we look to the promise of Sunday. See, without the sacrifice of Friday or the promise of Sunday, we would not be here today. There'd be no point. Without the willingness of Jesus to lay down his life, not because he deserved it, but because we do, we would not be here. And so this afternoon, as we look to the words of Luke, what I want us to do is be reminded, be reminded of our own sin, of our own guilt. And as we look to that, know that Jesus hung on the cross for those sins. I want us to be reminded of the love of Jesus, his sacrifice. And the incredible miracles we witnessed on that Friday so long ago. In Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 44, it says, It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. 
When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. In Luke chapter 23, he records three different miracles that I want to spend some time focusing on this afternoon. A miracle around the darkness, the miracle of the curtain, and what we witness in the words of a centurion. See, when we look at these things, these are things that, w- that would not happen by themselves. At the brightest part of the day, Luke tells us that for three hours in the middle of the afternoon, darkness covers the entire land. This is not a natural phenomenon. This is not something that simply happens by eclipse at, at this time. Right? No, at, for three hours in the middle of the day, darkness covers the entire land. It's as though all of creation, in the moment where Jesus is on the cross, that all of creation is mourning alongside this event. The prophet Amos foretold this event when he wrote, And on that day declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will make it like the morning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. See, Amos, long, long before this event, foretells it, pointing to this moment where all of creation mourns for the loss of an only son. A moment that as Jesus hangs on the cross, all of creation recognizes what, what the people around see. When the people leave sorrowful, sorrowful, it's almost as though creation has that moment before the people have that moment. And so Jesus hangs the, on the cross and creation mourns as he suffers the penalty of the sins. When the sky darkens, what we see is Jesus is entering the darkness of our own sin, bearing the wrath that comes from sin, and not just any sin, right, but our sin, my sin, your sin. Right? Jesus at that moment is bearing this, the weight of all sins at all times for all people. The sins that have stained our lives, the sins that we can't forget, the sins that we are born with, it's all there with Jesus on the cross. The sins that stain our hands are washed in the blood that dripped from Jesus' nail-pierced hands. And so as Jesus suffers, all of creation mourns as the blood drips from Jesus' hands, and it's that blood that is shed for you. I want you to think for a moment about the darkness that Jesus suffers in. Think about the darkness and what sins is it in your own life that Jesus was dying for in that moment? What are the specific sins that stain your hands? When you think of the times where you didn't do what you should do, where your hands or your heart or your head led you astray, What stains do you still have on your hands? When maybe you didn't treat somebody with kindness. When you chose revenge instead of forgiveness. When you didn't love your neighbor as yourself. What are the times we knew what to do but didn't do it? See, it's those sins, those sins that stain our hands that are washed in the blood of Jesus. And like the darkness that covers the land, what we see Luke reminding us of 
is that Jesus enters into that dark place to wash you of every sin. And as Luke points to the darkness, he also points us to the curtain. See, when we look to the curtain, he makes this passing reference to the curtain. It's a short verse with eternal significance of what is happening in that moment. See, the veil that Luke mentions, it's mentioned briefly, but it's monumental. The curtain temple was a linen fabric, embroidered with red, blue, purple threads. And the function of that fabric was to separate the holy place from the most holy place. See, the holy place was where the priests would perform sacred acts. They would replenish the oil. They would offer incense. But the most holy place, that was where the presence of God was promised to be. It was in the most holy place that one time in the year that the high priest could enter. It was in the most holy place that, that the high priest could go where the Ark of the Covenant would be. And the mercy seat would be sprinkled with sacrificial blood of the covenant in order to make atonement for the sins of the people. And now on this day, as Jesus is on the cross, that curtain which separated the presence of God from the people of God is ripped like a piece of paper. This is no small curtain. It is tightly woven, hundreds, maybe even thousands of pounds, torn. Jesus, as he offers his body as a sacrifice, he offers one last sacrifice. Jesus removes the curtain and it won't get stitched back together. There is no putting the curtain back in place. There is no barrier being put back between God and his people. See, when Jesus dies for sin, he dies for it once. For all time and for all people. In the book of Psalms, chapter 51, it tells us we are sinful from our birth. From, from, from our conception that we were born into sin. In the book of Matthew, chapter 15, the scriptures remind us that our sinful choices, the sins that stain our hands, that if we really want to get to the bottom of it, just follow it back and it goes to our heart. Because the things you say, the things you do, it comes from what's inside you. And so our sinful actions reveal a sinful nature. And so what we see when Jesus makes his sacrifice is not only are there sins that stain our hands, but there are sins that stain our hearts. A heart problem that we are born into. And Jesus, as the curtain is torn in two, we see Jesus making a sacrifice for all sins and all times and all places. Not only the sins that everybody saw you do, but, this, but also the sins that only you and God know about. See, it's those sins, the sins that stain our hearts, that are washed in the blood, that stain the cross. Jesus sheds his blood so that our sin-stained hearts might be made clean. And no matter how much you do, no matter how much you rebel, no matter how far you run, that sacrifice can't be undone. There will be no more restitching of the fabric. There will not be a new one put in its place. God, his presence is now inside of you. Because of his sacrifice, you are united to Christ. And so now if I'm honest, if I'm honest about the sins inside me, the condition of my heart, that, that can scare me. 
Right? Because I know the things that I think. I know the things that, 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 that maybe not everybody else knows, but I know that I've done. But when I look to the cross, I know that what I see is not what Jesus sees. Because when Jesus hangs on the cross, he's given himself for us so that we might be declared righteous. So that we would not be defined by the sin in our hearts, but we would be defined by the goodness and the perfection of the sacrifice. The third miracle that Luke records is, is maybe not as noticeable because it's not, it's not happening, in, in the, it's not happening in, in, with something physical like, like the sky or the curtain. But the third miracle, I think, is, is even more important than the rest. See, the third miracle is the miracle of the centurion. And what we see is we look to this centurion, and the centurion is transformed by the sacrifice on the cross. See, throughout Lent, we've been reminding ourselves that when Jesus shows up, he transforms the place he shows up in. And so when Jesus comes to a place of weakness, he transforms that place. And it becomes a place where God's power is on display. And when Jesus shows up in a place of suffering, that place of suffering is transformed to a place of God's love. And so on this day, when Jesus shows up in the, trans in the centurion's life, his life is never the same. See, the scriptures also tell us that during this, the crucifixion, that many of them... The text describes as being there for a spectacle. See, they were there on that day for a bloody show. To witness the violence. To ensure that this rebel was crucified. And so this centurion, you've got to imagine him on this day, that he is there. And when he, when he makes this confession, when he makes this confession about Jesus at the end, that this is an innocent man, you have to imagine the guilt that he feels in that moment. Because in a very direct way, it was, or it was his sins that put Jesus on the cross. That he knows what he did to get Jesus there. He didn't stop it. In fact, maybe he even had an active role fighting for the crucifixion. And maybe he showed up that day... Not because he felt bad for the people who were mourning, but maybe he was there because he wanted to see a demonstration, demonstration of justice. But what he left with was something he never expected. See, there's this disturbing sense that people come to be entertained by the blood, but then Jesus transforms that place. Because then that's what, that's what Jesus does, isn't it? When Jesus shows up, the place gets transformed. And so on that bloody hill, Jesus transforms this place. People are expecting a show, and they left with a Savior. And so the text tells us that people left beating their breasts sorrowful. They left experiencing sorrow and the guilt as they watched Jesus die. And I love the, the, the faith of the centurion. Because it's that one man in the midst of all of this Say, praising God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. See, this miracle didn't look like the other two, but it was transformation in the best kind of way. A sinner's heart transformed by the sacrifice of the cross. See, one of the men who crucified Jesus, one of the men who, who wanted Jesus to be hanging on the cross, was now one of the first people to trust in the sacrifice of Jesus. 
All right, and so the guilt that stained his conscience, the guilt that stained his heart, the blood on his hands, he in that moment turned to Jesus and said, that man was an innocent man. That event that we witnessed, that was not what I was expecting. When you and I look to the cross, are we like the centurion? Do we look at our own lives and, and, and find these moments? Oh, and we're overwhelmed by the guilt of our own sin. Ashamed at, at what our sins have caused, the damage that they've caused in our own lives, and our own families. And do we turn to the same place that the centurion turns to? Because in that moment, the centurion, while he might be overwhelmed with guilt, he looks to the cross. And on that cross, he finds a God who loved him no matter what. See, when Jesus gives himself on the cross and says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, a righteous man without sin, is giving himself to cleanse the sins that you can't forget. Jesus, as he hangs on that cross in that moment, the sins that that you have done, the things that you haven't done, Jesus, in that moment, is washing your hands clean. As Jesus suffers and dies, as you are overwhelmed by the burden of your own sins, Jesus washes your sinful heart and makes it new. See, what are those sins in your life? What are the sins where you feel that guilt? What are the sins that have led you to hide in shame? That you've hoped that no one would ever know? See, whatever it is that you're thinking right now, it's those sins that Jesus is carrying on the cross. It's those sins that his blood was washing clean. See, every time you replay that sin over and over and over again, Jesus speaks to you from the cross. It is finished. Every time that you look to that sin to define you and your life and your family, Jesus speaks his words from the cross to you and says, I forgive you. Every time that you're overwhelmed with guilt, every time that the shame crushes you, Jesus says, you're not guilty because I became guilty for you. You are not that sin. You are a child of your heavenly Father. See, every time you can't forget your sin because it's just too big, Jesus says, I, even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. See, on the cross, as Jesus carries all of the weight of the sin, Jesus leaves those sins there, and he says, I will not remember them. He bears the weight of those sins, and then he remembers them no more. That Jesus forgets the the things that you can't. And he washes you 
clean with his sacrifice. There is no sin too big for the cross of Jesus. You can't out-sin the love of your Savior. And you might feel sorrow. And you might feel guilt. And that's not a bad thing. On Friday, many people felt the weight of that. But in that guilt and sorrow that you feel, look to the cross. Because on the cross, the cross was not meant to make you feel guilty. It was meant to lift that guilt. It was meant to set you free. And so as you feel sorrow, know that all of creation experienced sorrow that day too. All of God's creation mourned for the loss of a son. But it mourned looking to what was coming. Be reminded that in the darkness, Jesus meets you in those dark places to rescue you. And when sin comes back, knocking at your door, reminding you that you need to make payment again, that what you've done is too much, be reminded that the sacrifice can't be undone, that the curtain was torn, that Jesus is the high priest, that that once he made the sacrifice, he sat down because it, it was finished. And while your sin might want to reintroduce a barrier between you and God, Jesus already eliminated that barrier. And if you have found yourselves walking away from the death of Jesus, sorrowful because of what you've done, be comforted, knowing that what Jesus did, he did for you. And may you have the faith of the centurion, the faith of a centurion who knows his sin but also looks to Jesus and saying, this was an innocent man. May you look to the cross, exposed of your own sin, but also knowing that this man who died was the Son of God. And as the Son of God, he laid his life down for me. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. To wash away every sin that stained me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your sacrifice. And while we know our sins are great, we know that your love is even greater. And so we thank you that when we look to the cross that we can be reminded of the, of the greatness, of the power, of the riches of your grace and your mercy for us. That nothing we do can out-sin your love. That nowhere we run can, can outrun your love. That there is truly nothing that we can do that will separate us from your love. And so as we look to the cross today, remind us of your love and your forgiveness. Remind us that when you say it is finished, that our sins are truly forgiven. And as we look to the cross, let us also look forward to the promise of Sunday. That Friday is here, but Sunday is coming. And let us wait. Wait with expectation. That it's finished. But you are not done yet. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray.